Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I can't tell you how excited I am to bring you today's featured guest, Tiffany Toombs. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. I'm excited to be here. It is fantastic to have you here. And for everybody out there listening, I want you to know a little bit about Tiffany. Tiffany is a mindset coach who specializes in helping people rewire their brains to overcome self-sabotage and limiting beliefs, allowing them to experience success in every area of their life. She's actually a master practitioner and trainer in neuro-linguistic programming and matrix therapies. Now, Tiffany worked in the health and fitness industry for 18 years while exclusively working as a coach for the last five years. She combines her science background and knowledge of the body and mind with her spiritual interests and gets clients results that are undeniable. So Tiffany, give us a little glimpse into how you made this transition from health and fitness into the work you're doing now. So I, I actually started when I was 15, kind of officially, I had been working with people on their health long before that. Um, my mom always jokes about how I used to run stairs when I was five until I was too exhausted to move. Um, so, so the health and fitness aspect of things has always been something I've been extremely passionate about. Um, I'm definitely a huge nerd, more so in the space of biology and physiology and understanding how the body works. If you give me anything to do with math and can't relate it to sport or can't relate it to thought processes, then it just doesn't seem to stick. Um, but any type of math or physics as it relates to the body, I just, you know, it just, it sinks in that way. So, um, I've, I've always loved helping people. And when I started my career, at 15, it was helping people get the most out of their bodies and helping them feel the best that they could in their skin. Because for a really long time, I didn't, I battled with a lot of eating disorders growing up. And so I wanted to make sure that nobody ever felt how I felt. Um, that took me to Australia and in Australia, I had my own personal breakdown moment, which I look at now as a breakthrough moment to, um, to really help me realize that it's all well and good for the body to be functioning properly and to be nourishing it with the proper foods and moving it. And yet if the mind isn't following, then, you know, you'll, you'll get stuck in these patterns of self-sabotage. And what I realized I was, I was about 28 at the time. And I realized that I had been living a lifelong pattern of self-sabotage and the pain was just so great at that point that I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And that's when I started to rewire my own brain and then found some techniques that work amazingly that have allowed me to work with hundreds of people all over the world to help them reprogram theirs. Fantastic. Mm. That is very, very cool. So were you, yes. were you an athlete? Is that how you got into this field? 
Uh, I was one of those people who always loved sports. Um, I was a runner and a dancer, so I guess I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to be able to play basketball or baseball, and I just, I just had no hand-eye coordination um, and just you know wasn't fast enough or tall enough or anything to make a difference on a basketball court. So after continually being cut from my basketball team <laughs> in high school, in uh, junior high, I, I realized that while you know Michael Jordan made the best of that situation, that wasn't necessarily for me, but I had a skill set and a gift in helping rehab people from injuries that most people wouldn't expect. So, And, and that tends to be my gift as well mm. with the mind is that I'm quite intuitive and I can pick up on things that other therapists or other coaches might miss, um, which allows me to help my clients to a greater level. Very cool. That's super important. Fantastic. Mm. By the way, just so you know, yes. I, I I was tall enough. I'm and in high school I was six three and I I still didn't make the basketball team. Um, that's how bad I was. Even being tall, they're like, you really are not good. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not good. But I like trying out. It's fun. It's like, yeah, I never made it either. Yeah. I, uh, I, I always made it to like the final cut. And then I was like always like the last person, like that cusp person. And I was like, you know, I, I won all these awards for being an amazing dancer. So it wasn't a lack of grace. It just, when it came, when you put a ball in my hand, I mm-hmm. just couldn't make it work. <laughs> yep. I'm right there with so. you. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so. I get it. Well, let me ask you something because one of the things we focus on, obviously, is partnership here on Speaking of Partnership. And yeah. I'm curious for you personally, I mean, obviously you, you just referenced several layers of partnership, right? With yourself, with your mm-hmm. health, with your mind, all those things. Like what's your, your, I call it a guiding principle. Some people call it a quote or a mantra or, you know, a touchstone. But what's that thing that you come back to whenever you find yourself kind of off in the weeds regarding partnership and you realize you kind of got off that path? So I think my, my guiding principle is that we are all here with a purpose. We're all here to change somebody else's life. And that that looks different for each of us. Some of us might be here to change somebody's life by baking the best apple pie or pecan pie at Christmas time, you know, whatever it is. It might be that you're here to change somebody's life by being the the best mother or father or by doing the best oil change on somebody's car. And so for me, I would say, and this took me a long time to come back to in my life was that our relationship with ourselves is the most important relationship that we have. And when we really start to work on our partnership with ourselves and our partnership with our body, mind and soul, that's when we become our most authentic selves and we become, we can figure out how to align ourselves with that gift that we have. And I think for a lot of people, and I don't know, I've been doing a lot of research and just my own personal observations lately where this uh, where this belief that we have to put other people first comes from. I mean, whenever you get on an airplane, we're all comfortable with the concept of putting on your own mask first. And yet when it comes to life, you know, anytime I post about self-love, people tell me to stop promoting narcissism. And then I I also do talk a lot about narcissists because that a lot of the relationships and self-sabotage that I had was 
being in relationships with narcissists. So whenever I educate other people on what a narcissist looks like, I get messages about, you know, it's not nice to judge people or characterize people. So it, it's just a really interesting concept that we've kind of lost our way on a societal level about being true to ourselves first mm-hmm. and being true to that gift that we have and being true to our authenticity above anything else. Yeah. So this is, so I'd this say that, is great. That's what guides all my work. Yeah, I love that. So so what have you found in your inquiries? What have you started to uncover as far as what's the driver behind why this cultural belief is you have to put everybody else first? I, I do think it is something that has been perpetuated through generations. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, whether it was from war times or whether it was from even before that, from a from a societal standpoint, we are, and I don't want to go down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole, but I think that we are easier um, to control, so so to speak, from a school standpoint. You know, teachers can control students better if they're told to be quiet and, you know, not disturb other people's learning and to be, you know, always be respectful and thinking about other people first, not asking for what you need. Um, When I was living in Australia, they they actually have a name for it down there called tall poppy syndrome Mm -hmm. in that you don't want to grow too much bigger than anybody else because somebody will come along and cut your head off or they'll, um, you know, you make other people feel uncomfortable by being too good yourself. And I, I think that that's really backwards. I, I, I personally don't look at people who are above me, say Richard Branson, or who have had more success than me and think, well, how dare they? You know, I, I see that as a way to inspire myself. I think that we've been programmed with a lot of limiting beliefs about our worth, about fear. Um, I've got a book coming out, and I actually have a whole chapter on fear, where I talk about how I think that this fear largely gets programmed into us in school where we're taught in school that if we fail one test, we fail one assignment, that's like the end of the world. And then we get out of Mm -hmm. school and all you really need is one success for your name to go in the history books. Like if you look at Thomas Edison, he failed 9,999 times at creating the incandescent light bulb. Nobody sits around calling him a loser or a failure, (laughs) right? All All you need is that one success in life. But we're so programmed with um, with this, you know, if you fail one test or you fail one grade, yeah. that's like the end of the world. And from a from a school point standpoint, um, Albert Einstein has this really amazing quote that we're all geniuses. But if you judge a fish on his ability to climb a tree, then he'll spend his entire life thinking that we're stupid. And I think that. The uh, I understand the need for standardization of learning to make, make it easy to apply to the masses, and yet the way that schooling happens from a from an NLP standpoint, there's four different ways that people can learn, and the school system is set up for auditory learners, which is like 10% of the population has that as their dominant mm-hmm. learning style. So we're not even setting people up to then succeed. So it's a very multi-layered um, thing, and I, I and I don't think that anybody has done it intentionally. It's just the way that the cards have fallen. 
But I think when we start to educate ourselves around how ineffective things have been done, then we can start making change. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned the the, the buzzword of the, the relationship world right now, narcissism. Mm. And, you know, one of the things I've observed is, like, I, I, I work with women, so I hear a lot of women go, every guy dates a narcissist. And one of the things that I've realized, and being a man, obviously, is that <laughs> men haven't been programmed as much to put everybody else's needs first. So they'll take care of themselves. Yes. And because women have been told you put everybody else first, they think anybody that takes care of themselves is a narcissist. Yeah. So I had a friend of mine who came in to me one day, and she's she's married to another friend of mine. And she's so funny. She's like, I think Brian's a narcissist. I'm like, what? And she goes, just like last night. He's like, I'm hungry. I'm going to make a sandwich. He didn't ask if I wanted one. He didn't check on the kids. He just went, went and made a sandwich. Why would he do that? <laughs> I said, because he's hungry. He, he wasn't like guys are very focused. Oh, I'm hungry. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. We're not wired to take care of everybody in the room. No. So he's not being a narcissist. He's simply taking care of his needs. Now, if you're uncomfortable taking care of your needs, him doing that will make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And then we've come up with this lovely label that people throw around left and right without any background other than they just don't like that behavior. Oh, they're a narcissist. Yeah. And it's it's a real, real detriment to our relationships because we have these these terms that sound so valid, so powerful. Oh, it's clinical. Oh, really? And I, I always ask when somebody says that, I'm like, oh, so they've been clinically diagnosed. Well, no. So then what, I mean, like, what is that based on? Well, he talks about himself a lot. Yeah. That's not the and, definition of a narcissist. No, and it, it's dangerous that, and part of what I what I focus on is understanding the difference between being self-loving and taking care of yourself first and actually being a narcissist. There's a whole chapter of, on this in my book. and my, uh, my book is actually called Stop Being a Selfish... I don't know if you want me. I forgot to ask you. If you, you can say whatever you want. Okay. So stop being a selfish bitch is the name of my book because being a woman, whenever I have being a woman, whenever I have focused on looking after my dreams, going after my dreams and my goals, I have very much been called a selfish bitch. Mm -hmm. And then, but, but my belief is, and I actually, um, I had a falling out with some business partners in Australia last year and that led me to, to move back to Canada. And I had a three month kind of grace period where I just took some time off, did a little bit of soul searching before I moved back. And my dad kept asking me, what are you going to do when you move back? What are you going to do for work? And I was like, well, I've been running my own business for six years. I don't really want to come back and work for anybody else. And at the same time, all the times that I've run a business, I've had business partners, which hasn't panned out well for me because I was in business with legitimate narcissists. Like when you actually look up in the DSM that, you know, they match mm -hmm. all of that, that, uh, detail. And so for me, it was more along the lines of, well, do I actually listen to my heart? and set up my coaching business and follow what I believe my gift to be or do I give in to this self-doubt of 
oh, you can't make, you know, a business that's focused on putting people in touch with their feelings. You, you're not going to be able to make money from that in a super conservative market where people would rather drink and smoke and do everything else other than look at their emotions. And, and so I, I had this moment where I was meditating, I was journaling and I wrote down, you know, if I give into this self-doubt, like, like I know that what I do changes people's lives. And if I give into this self-doubt, then I'm actually not, you know, I'm not changing the lives of the people that I'm here to touch. And, and so giving into the self-doubt and the fear and the, you know, people labeling me as a narcissist because I'm focused on my goals or whatever it is, that's actually what makes me a selfish bitch. If I, if I don't, if I ignore my gift, if I, and so a couple of people have told me not to call my book that because nobody would want to label themselves as that. And yet they do when they start going after their dreams and goals. And so I want everyone to know that by not following your message, by not following your gift or your heart, that you're, you know, you are being a selfish bitch, whether you're a man or a woman and that we actually need to start being self-loving. And the chapter on narcissism talks about a narcissist is essentially the crocodile. Someone who's self-loving is the bunny rabbit. So yes, to a degree, we are all primally wired to be self-serving. We need to, you know, you could sit here and tell me that you would never steal anything. And yet if you were starving or your kids were starving, I'm sure you would have no problem walking into a grocery store and stealing a loaf of bread or whatever it was. So as long as our basic needs are met, we are self-serving in the way of we need our basic needs to be met. Past that point, though, somebody who is self-serving or somebody who is an actual narcissist, they use manipulation and charm and control techniques to get other people to, you know, to do what, whatever they need it is to be done. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that we've kind of lost our way around what narcissism is as well. Yeah. And, and I love what you just said. I, I love the title of your book, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And to, to people's comment, right, of, oh, well, people won't want to label themselves. They don't want to, but that voice in their head already has. Yes. Right. It's the, and, and the talk in your head has already said, you're just a selfish bitch. What are you doing? You, what, don't you think of anybody? It's that's what's going on. We all know it. We're hearing it. And you made a comment that I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I've, I've said in my own way many, many times, which is, you know, people think putting your needs first is selfish. But the most selfish thing in the world is not putting your needs first because then your gifts don't get to come forward. Yeah. If, you're actually if you're, you're keeping the world from what you're here for. Yeah, you're 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 here. We're all here to serve people in some way. And if you give in to that belief in your head, what I actually wrote to myself was if you were just to like believe in yourself for a year, if you like just one year, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can go back to, you know, being a people pleaser or whatever. But just for one year, commit to following your heart and following this path that you know in your gut you need to go down, how many lives would you actually change? And so I officially like launched my personal project of this February 1st. So I've still got, you know, when we're filming this, uh, recording this about a month mm -hmm. or so left uh, until it's been 365 days. And already I've on a one-on-one -on -one basis worked with 130 clients this year and presented to over 600. So 
you know, now now I know that this isn't just a one year thing, that it's actually, you know, what I'm going to be doing for the rest. Yeah, this rest this of my might life. have some traction, huh, Tiffany? Yeah, exactly. It's funny what happens when you when you mm. actually listen to your heart and you, you know, you you mm. trust you just trust and surrender to the gifts that you've been given. Yeah, and you know, I, I love that because it's one of the things I say to my clients all the time is God didn't send you here to make fun of you. No. You weren't given the gifts that you have because nobody wants them. Yeah. The, yeah. The, you're even though nobody's ever heard of this thing before. That's okay. Mm. That's why you're the one like somebody's got to be first. Yeah. And even I, if uh, like you're talking about making a great apple pie or whatever, it's like yeah, there's generic apple pies and then there's somebody that does something crazy to it and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's the best apple pie ever." But if they just yeah. said, no, this is the generic recipe. I'll just do the generic recipe. It'll taste like everybody else's and everybody likes that. Nobody gets to be wowed. Yeah, because we don't know what we don't know, right? So you would never have thought that, you know, before Airbnb popped up, you never would have thought that you could rent out your house or that people might even want to. Like the first time I stayed in an Airbnb, my dad thought I was crazy. And now, like, I don't even like staying in hotels. Yeah. Totally. Because we, we, yeah, same thing with don't Uber know we don't and all know. those things. It's the, like people don't even look at cabs anymore. Yeah. So the, the, the ideas that come to us, um, Elizabeth Gilbert has a book called big magic and she talks about how like ideas come to us when they're ripe to be picked. And if we ignore them, they're not going to, they're, they won't stay there forever. If we ignore those gifts as they're coming, they're going to go on to somebody else they'll they'll move along because that idea is ripe for the picking. And so we you know these things that so many people look at as a coincidence or serendipity or whatever you want to call it, they're happening for a reason and it's coming to us for a reason mm -hmm. and if we continue to ignore it it'll just move on. I had exactly. a client come to me recently and she just said, you know, every time my, my friends who travel all over the world and they do all this amazing stuff, every time they call me, they're like, what's new with you? And I'm like, literally nothing. Like I go to a job that I don't really like. And then I come home and I eat food and then I sit on the couch. Like, I don't really have anything to share. And she's like, and I'm pretty sure that my life was meant for more than this. And I'm like, yeah, it was. And the fact that that's the norm in society that you get the job that you don't like, you just do that to pay the bills so that two weeks of the year you can go to an all-inclusive resort somewhere and drink enough to forget about the life that you've left behind for two weeks. And then you, you know, go home, hopefully to a partner that you actually love. But a lot of people, we know that that doesn't happen. And then you sit on the couch and you eat some cardboard like food and, and that's your life. Like that, what is even the point in doing that? Like God would not have created us for that reason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm curious, because obviously, I mean, you shared that you've had some different kind of epiphanies in your in your path in life. What's one of those times in your life where you did have one of those like dumb moments regarding partnership and you went, um, wow, I can't believe I've missed this for so long. And what did you actually learn from that wake up moment that's become a building block for your future partnerships? So I would say probably the biggest dumb moment that I've had in relationships is that break that breakdown moment that I was talking about when I was in Australia. So I'd been with my partner for three years at that time, my then partner. And um, we were talking about marriage 
and we'd put in a, an offer in on a buck of land. Everyone else saw us as the perfect couple. And if I'm honest, there was times during that three years that I was like, really? Like, this is it? This is okay. And then, you know, he would tell me that he loved me. And I was like, well, if I'm not entirely happy, then, you know, that just must be me being a selfish bitch again. Um, because, you know, he loves me and everyone else tells me that we're the perfect couple and everyone else talks about how they wish what they had what we had. So, you know, this this must be as good as it gets. And so I, I definitely settled in that relationship, not in that he wasn't a good person, in that I don't know that I was true, like truly madly, passionately in love with him. But I had been told by everyone else that, you know, this, this is perfect. And so, you know, we would fight, we'd live paycheck to paycheck. I wasn't overly fulfilled or happy and just thought that that was the way that things were meant to be. And I, and I didn't want to leave him and hurt him because he kept telling me that he loved me. Um, so I stayed. And then about three years into our relationship, I found out that I was pregnant I would have only been a week or two along, found out I was pregnant. And then a couple hours later found out that he was actually, he had told me that he was away on a job interview in another state, but he was actually with his girlfriend in another state, another girlfriend in another state. And my entire life just collapsed around me. This like very carefully placed house of cards just completely in one foul swoop was just gone. And I couldn't eat or sleep for about two weeks with the stress of everything. So ended up miscarrying. And I remember just thinking like, I, I had this moment of pain of where the emotional pain was so intense that I was standing on a corner in downtown Melbourne and I saw a cab coming and I was like, I can just make all this pain go away. All I just have to do is take one step. Um, mentally committed to taking the step and then my body just wouldn't respond. It was like my feet were just cemented to the ground. And when the cab zoomed by, I was like, oh, like, I can't believe I was just about to do that. And then I was like, I, I need to like seriously look at my life because I'm in all this emotional pain about this thing that I supposedly lost, except that I wasn't even happy in that relationship. So why is that something that I would want back? And so for me, the biggest duh moment was that in that I was actually being quite selfish in that relationship. So yes, I ended up getting severely hurt emotionally in the end. And at the same time, I realized that when we stay in relationships where we're not satisfied, whether we stay because we don't want to hurt the other person, we stay because we have, you know, we have kids with them and, you know, we're doing it for the kids. I hear clients say that to me all the time. Mm -hmm. All we end up doing is hurting everyone in that circumstance more, right? So we stop the person that we're with from truly going out and finding the person that will love them in the way that they deserve. We stop the person that's meant to find our partner from finding that true love. We stop, we hurt ourselves from stopping ourselves from finding somebody that we can truly love and that loves us back. And we hurt the partner that's meant to find us. So, you know, we, we stay in relationships or we settle because we don't want to hurt anyone. And yet we actually end up hurting more people than we even realize. So for me, that was the point of like, 
if uh, if there's any relationship, whether it's an intimate partnership, a business partnership, a friendship that I don't feel totally and wholly fulfilled in, then what like what is the point? What is the point in faking it? or staying or pretending that everything's okay, either take an action to fix it and make it better or realize that not everything is meant to happen and move on to what is meant to happen. You know, clear out the space of the old to make room for the new. Yeah, um, wow, that's like (laughs) a majorly dramatic, dumb moment. (laughs) Yeah. A, a majorly dramatic down moment. Yeah, and I'm sorry you had to go through all that. Fortunately, you were able to take some good out of it and you built on it because, I mean, it's true. Your, your comment earlier, you know, of, of there were times where you're like, is this all there is? And then you'd stick around because you didn't want to hurt his feelings. Mm. And, you know, where that ended up leading to, it's like, Again, that's a way we're not taking care of ourselves. Yeah, and I think ultimately, like, and I tell a lot of my clients this when they start getting results with me, and then they they're like, "Oh, you know, I need to make my mom come and see you." The thing with change is that pain is the greatest catalyst for change, and so until anybody is in a position where they have so much pain that they decide that they can't take it anymore, nobody's going to change. We're actually like primarily wired to not make change because change, you know, our brains have to go through this whole process of figuring out what could hurt us or harm us in the new environment. And, and so we're actually wired to resist change. So until the pain is so great that it forces us to make a change, we won't. And so a lot of people, you know, they say, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And I said, you know what, I'm not because now that was the moment where I vowed to never live a small life again, to never settle again. If I'm not happy somewhere, I will either now take an action to resolve whatever it is, or I'll move and make the change that I need to so that I never get to that low point again. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you gotta be committed. It's not something you do kinda, sort of, because yeah. of course you're going to get to the uncomfortable part of something new, which is true of everything new. Yeah. And you're going to stop. You're going to go back right where you were. I always say it's kind of like if you've ever seen a squirrel run across the street. It goes running across mm-hmm. like a rocket and all of a sudden it sees a car and it freaks out. Yeah. Oh my gosh, car, what am I going to do? And it does that crazy squirrel dance and it goes back where it came from. Yeah. That's what we do. We get to yep. that point where we just like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to make it worse. Oh, I think I'm not going the right way. Uh, and we go back. Yeah. And that happens in partnerships all the time. All People the time. break up and then, you know, they they miss the comfort of what they knew. When I talk, I don't know if you're familiar with the hero's journey, mm-hmm. but we, you know, we often give in to temptation because the known devil is more comforting and less scary than the unknown. If yes. we, you know, if, if we walk through that, that apostasis or that point of who we were dies to become who we were meant to be in the hero's journey, that's a lot scarier because we know that, you know, a belief system or something has to die for something new to take its place. And so, so many people go back to the old, whether it's the old, you know, unfulfilling or potentially even abusive relationship or the old job or the old 
health or whatever it is because that's what they're familiar with and we're creatures of habit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think you and I could probably talk about this for the next three weeks, but I probably. that's not how this show works. So uh, <laughs> what we're gonna do now, Tiffany, is we actually got to a part of our show mm -hmm. I call Bring It All Home. And this is where we're gonna leave our listeners with some, some very specific things they can take action on. And, and the first thing I wanna ask you is for you personally, like what's the best partnership or relationship advice you've ever received? Um, the, I've been thinking about this question. I I would say that there's two pieces. One piece I got when I was in my early 20s, and that was from somebody who told me to never get married before I was 25. And I just kind of looked at her with a look of confusion, and she said, you haven't fully figured out who you are before 25. So just give yourself that time to figure out who you are. So back then, when I was growing up, that was probably the strongest piece of advice I got. Um, more recently, I would say the best advice that I got around relationships is to never send your, uh, I can't remember the word that they use, but essentially your best self, right? In any relationship, we tend to show up as our best self or our representative that shows, you know, that highlights the best of ourself while hiding all of the skeletons. And if somebody is not comfortable with your skeletons, then you're wasting a lot of time. So I, I used to have friends uh, when I was in Australia, when I, I would go on a date, they would say, don't mention that you run multiple businesses to the guy because that's intimidating and that might scare him off. And I was like, well, eventually he's going to find out. So it, I would rather scare him off now by him thinking that I'm too much for him now and not waste my time and get not get emotionally attached or involved as opposed to waiting six months down the road and then and then realizing that we're not aligned. So yeah. I, I would say the best piece of advice that I've been given and that I then pass on to my clients and to anybody else is to show up as who you are, to be your total, true, authentic self, because the people who are meant to be in your life will appreciate it and anybody who's uncomfortable by it or doesn't like it they're just not your people yeah i 100 percent agree and and I, I think to add to that is not only will the people who are meant to be in your life appreciate it if you're not being that real person the people that are meant to be in your life won't know you're there yes and they yeah. will go hmm, well i wish i knew somebody like this and you're like it's me but they don't know that yeah Sure. Yeah, so you missed that opportunity. Absolutely. Well, Tiffany, this has been fantastic. And, and like I said, I think we could go on for days, but we're going to have <laughs> to stop. So do me a favor. Would you awesome. let our listeners know how they can contact you and learn more about what you do? Yes. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blue Lotus Mind. Uh, my website, which links to all of my social medias at bluelotusmind.com. So blue like the color, lotus like the flower, and mind like your brain.com. And then on Instagram at Tiffany Tombs. Fantastic. And everyone listening that was scrambling for a pen, don't worry about it. All you've got to do is just go to the Speaking of Partnership website and type in Tiffany's name and you'll see her show page and we will have all those links on there. So it's super easy for you to connect with her. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for sharing so much about your life and your stories and, and super inspiring, super incredible. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Absolutely. My pleasure. 
Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.